The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Storytelling inspires, engages, and moves people to action. It's a superpower that anyone can learn. Welcome to Story Powered with your host, Leanne Pico. Stories can hold you back, and stories can move you forward. Let our program help you activate your storytelling superpower and take your business to the next level. Now, here is Leanne Pico. Hello, and welcome to Story Powered. I'm Leanne Pico, your host. I'm so glad you could join us today. I'm really looking forward to today's show. It's um, it's with great pleasure that I introduce you to, I will be introducing you to Tanya de Jong from Creative Universe and Creativity Australia. And she'll be talking to us about telling a powerful story. Now, before we do that, I want to thank Jay Golden from Waking Star Storyworks and Miko Mitsumura from Gradle. They were here talking to me last week about crafting your story. And they raised some really great points about... Um, internal and external communications and why understanding what your core story is, is helpful to that. And Miko in particular, he, he was a client of Jay's and he particularly gave a good case for why in business story is so important. So I really recommend you have a listen to that. It's on the on-demand library on the story powered page. But obviously, I don't want you to go and do that just yet, because we'll be talking to Tanya in a sec and you will get to hear some very powerful storytelling. Now, before we do that, we have the story of the week. So this week, um, we are talking about powerful storytelling. So I wanted to share a story of my own from an experience that I had that um, hopefully you can all take something away from. So my story is called, Why Aren't They Listening? So when I was in high school, I ran for school co-president. It was not because I was popular or because I wanted to do, th- it was because I wanted to do things. I wanted to make a difference in the school. I'd been organizing lots of activities and clubs for my whole school career, and I thought I would be a good leader. So I ran a big campaign, and I spent many hours creating my posters, my t-shirts, my hall displays. Often, I was the last person left at school because I was still there working on my campaign. I was highly dedicated, and I thought I couldn't lose because of that. When it came to planning my assembly, so we all got to have a a 10-minute assembly that we could plan, I wrote a very earnest speech about how I would make changes in the school. I came up with a whole bunch of things that I thought would make things different and would make the school a better place. I practiced and practiced. I gave my speech to my younger sister and to my best friend, several times. I'm sure they still remember it. I practiced in front of the mirror every morning and every night on the lead up to the speech. And when the day came, I was ready. I was the second person to go. I stepped onto the stage after my name was announced and I looked out at the sea of faces. They were a little blurry because the spotlight was on me, but I could see a lot of people I knew and many I didn't. I started. Grand River High School, I stand before you. And off I went. I talked and talked. I carefully kept track with my notes, making sure I covered everything I wanted to say. At one point, I took a breath 
And I realized there was a little noise. And then I realized there was a lot of noise. I looked out into the audience and saw that everyone was talking. They weren't even looking at me, including people I knew and who were on my campaign. I couldn't believe it. Why weren't they listening to me? I'd worked so hard on my speech. I had so many good ideas and they didn't want to hear them. I didn't know what to do next, so I just kept going. So for a further five minutes, despite the fact that no one was listening to me, I kept talking. When I was done, no one clapped. I don't think they even noticed. Uh, But then a small spattering of clapping started. I was so humiliated and I was angry. How dare they not listen to me after all the work I'd put in? The next group that went on were two guys who were known for partying and playing, and they just goofed off on stage for 10 minutes, clearly having planned nothing. They ended up winning. And afterwards, one of my teachers, Mr. Lightfoot, came up and told me, that was a class act, Leanne. That was a class act. Didn't make me feel any better. That experience has been sitting with me for over 25 years. It was a, it's a constant reminder of what happens when we don't think about our audience and planning our communications. I still have moments when I think I have the best ideas and I want everyone to just listen to me, but I've worked really hard to consider who I'm speaking with first. I did not think about my audience when I wrote my speech. I did not think about my audience when I planned my campaign or came up with the ideas. I didn't ask anybody. It was humiliating, yes, but it was one of the best lessons I've ever learned and pointed me in the direction of making a career out of listening to people's stories and helping them to share theirs more effectively to increase engagement. So I'm sure we all have had an experience a little bit like that. Um, But I'm not sure about my next guest because she is uh, someone who seems... Um, extremely comfortable on stage and does so many things, um, wonderful, wonderful things to uh, help other people become more creative and and she shares her own stories. So I would love to introduce you to Tanya DeYoung and she is a leading Australian soprano, an inspirational speaker, a social entrepreneur, a spiritual journey woman and creative innovation catalyst. She founded Creative Universe, Creativity Australia, Music Theatre Australia, Potpourri and the Potpourri and the Song Room, and works with diverse communities through the With One Voice Choir Social Inclusion Programs. Tanya sings around the world as a soloist and with her group Potpourri, releasing seven. She's released seven CDs, and she's founder and executive producer of Creative Innovation Global. Tanya's TED Talk, How Singing Together Changes the Brain, sparked international interest. And she's released, recently released her solo CD, Heaven on Earth. So um, the other thing I wanted to tell you about Tanya is some very interesting stuff, which is Tanya attended college in the USA on a tennis scholarship. And her grandmother, Slava Doldig, invented the first foldable umbrella in Vienna in 1929. So welcome, Tanya. Thank you so much. It's an absolute pleasure to be on your wonderful program. Thank you. It's so nice to have you here. So tell us your story. Mm-hmm. That's a really cool story about your about your great grandma or about your grandmother. Um, My grandmother. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And tell yeah, us your story. Sure. Well, first I might tell you about my grandmother actually, um, since you since you mentioned it. But um, you know, she was one of these incredible women who um, you know was an artist in the 1920s and. Her and my grandfather had had come to Vienna from Poland as emerging artists emigrates to study with the great 
sculpture teacher, Anton Hanak, and he was a contemporary of Egon Schiller and Gustav Klimt. And you can imagine Vienna in the 1920s, very beautiful architecture, richness of the culture, just an incredible place to be as a young person. And as young students, my my nana, Slava, and, and my grandfather, Carl Gulig, fell in love. And they used to go on dates to the local museum. And one particularly rainy Sunday, my grandmother had left her, um, you know, her big tall umbrella in the cloakroom and she said to my grandfather, you know, what if someone was to invent a little umbrella that fitted in the handbag? And she said, let's keep this a secret between us. <laughs> and she then went out amongst all the lampshade shops. You know those old-fashioned lampshades with the spokes? Oh, And yes. she went and collected all these spokes of these old lampshades. And she started prototyping her idea, trying and failing, trying and failing. We have her working notes, you know, which say, try this today, it didn't quite work, tomorrow I'm going to try this. And she wasn't put off. She just kept trying and failing until in September 1929, she invented the very first foldable umbrella, the Flirt. It was prototyped and named the Flirt. <laughs> wow. And it was... <laughs> yeah, manufactured in this Austrian factory for the next 10 years. It's still manufactured in that same factory, but in 1939, the Nazis came into Vienna and my family is Jewish. And there's an amazing long other story right. about how they escaped. But suffice to say, my grandfather um, bribed a, a Swiss border guard by sculpting his bus for three passages out to Switzerland for my grandmother himself and my mum, who was just a few months old at the time. And they got out nearly just in the nick of time because the Nazis did come and take away pretty much all the rest of my family um, a couple of days later, never oh, to be sorry. seen again. And they escaped to, to Switzerland where the German authorities contacted my nana and said, you know, we believe you've got the patent for the first foldable umbrella and we'd like to... To, to buy it from you. And of course, not knowing where they were going to be with a tiny little baby daughter, she had no choice but to sell her incredible umbrella, you know, invention and we've never seen other since. <laughs> but wow. uh, we have the prototypes and all her working notes in, um, in Melbourne in a, in a museum and studio that um, has all the original works and incredible stories of escape and survival and, and the creativity of my grandparents. And if it hadn't been for their strategic foresight and their inventive minds, they would not have got out. So that's why yes. I'm here today, you know, because they were just so, <laughs> so, um, so clever and so creative. Oh, that's a wonderful story, and it's and and tragic mm. as well because um, obviously that was a, a terrible time, and and it's interesting to think about your grandmother. Um, you know, I love that you've just talked about that, that she just kept trying and kept... Um, that's right. She that's wanted right. to make that, that work. When I talk about that story, and I use that story quite a bit, um, I use it to, to talk about failure because failure is something, you know, a lot of people have um, a fear of failure. And, we, you know, Australia tends to be a little of a risk-averse nation. And I like to think of the word fail as first attempt in learning. Oh, I love <laughs> and, it. Yeah, and I think my grandmother really, you know, epitomised that. And really the, the key to innovation is to experiment and fail fast and then try again. You know, there's no successful entrepreneur in the world who hasn't failed along the way to their successes. 
That's right. That's right. And yet, mm-hmm. it's it's seen as something that um, that is so like we're we're in such a risk averse time. I think that's part. We of are. Issue. We are, and and we need creativity and, and invention more than ever before, because you know there's. Um, a prediction at the moment that um, up to 47% of middle-class jobs will become redundant due to robotics and new technologies. And, you know, that means that we have to be a lot smarter than machines because machines are getting pretty smart. So we need to become more creative, more innovative as human beings to survive in an age of, you know, machine intelligence. Which is really uh, weird because we were always creative and inventive. <laughs> like humans have always been that way. We've become a bit bland and a bit vanilla and, you know, there's, you know, we have a broadband culture but we don't really have the innovative content to fill yeah. all that incredible space. So yeah. we need to get, we need to go back to, you know, being yeah. a lot less risk averse. Absolutely. And, and, you know, and again, I guess part of it is we become very comfortable. You know, when, when having, you know, five bathrooms seems like a human right. Um, it's... <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yes, you know, and invention, of course, is brought is, um, is out of necessity. And so if you have everything, then why would you become it? <laughs> that's right that's right it's yeah. true now how about your yeah. story because wow do you ever do a yeah. lot of stuff and you've had so many great yeah. accomplishments so tell us a little bit about you yeah so I mean look I um, was born in Holland and um, my my father is Dutch and he also is very lucky to escape the war and, and I went to school then in Australia and, and um, when I was about um, 14 I I thought I had a pretty strong voice and I decided that I would like to have singing lessons. But my mum my thought, well, you know, it's got so much else on. I was good at sports and, you know, focused on academic stuff. And so she said to wait for a while. And I, I really have always wanted to, to use my voice and to sing and, and to share stories, I guess, and um, because songs are stories as well. Yes. And um, so my best girlfriend started having singing lessons and I was so envious of her. And one night I said, look, you know, I'd like you to teach me the song you've been learning at your singing lesson. So we sat down at the piano and, and we sang it together a few times. And then she said, you know, I'll play the piano and you sing it on your own. And at the end she said, Tanya, I don't think you should ever bother having singing lessons. You're not good enough. Oh, and no. being a 14-year-old girl, you know, I, I yeah, believe it. Like many of us have believed what we've been told, you know, when we're... We're kids and so on, and those messages stay with us often for our whole lives. And so what happened was I then thought, well, at least I can do backstage in the school musical. So I did the props and stuff. And then finally in year 11, I auditioned for the chorus of the musical Oklahoma. And and I thought, well, at least I can get in the chorus. And um, to my mates, I got the lead role. (laughs) Wow. It was just so, you know, it was, just so exciting because of course I hadn't had any singing lessons so then I did start to have singing lessons and I had like you know before I went out on stage you know that first night like I had such a panic attack because there was that little voice going not good enough not good enough right and um you know you know that feeling (laughs) yeah um and so but I went out on stage and I, I did you know I did perform well and I thought this is what I want to do with my life and of course, ever since then, you know, singing and music has been an, an enormous part of my life. It's sustained me 
given my life enormous meaning. It's enabled me to reach out to you know, literally hundreds of thousands of people around the world because I have been lucky enough to perform in over 40 countries with my group Potpourri and also as a soloist. And um, it's just been a wonderful joy. But also, I think the other thing about, you know, our voice is, you know, often people think that our voice is just about um, singing, but actually our voice is representative of who we are, our meaning and our purpose, and our voice enables us to express ourselves. But people have such a taboo about singing, you know, and even speaking in public. Um, It's like I can survey any audience and pretty much 80% of the audience will, will say that they've been told either by their parents, their kids, a teacher, a partner or someone else in their life that they can't sing. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, I'm sure people are, you know, are nodding out there now going, yeah, yeah that's me, that's me, and I, and I really can't sing. I bet you everyone's doing that. Actually, you know, we were born with voices. It's part of our human DNA to sing um, and dance with other human beings. And tribes, that's how tribes used to ward off their enemies. So, yes. um, you know, in countries like Africa or Fiji or Vanuatu, People automatically sing and dance together and they don't go, am I good enough? You know, I'm not good enough. I'm not singing in tune or something. It's, it's like this is how people naturally express themselves. And again, that's a little bit of preciousness. And also we have such celebrity culture in Western society that we compare ourselves against celebrities instead of going, actually, I have a unique voice of my own and I have important messages and stories to share. Because we all have such unique stories and we all have such a unique voice. And I think one of the reasons why we've become so risk-averse is that no one is standing up, or not enough people, not, no one, but not enough people are standing up and saying, you know, this is what I believe. And, <laughs> and really standing up for what they believe and expressing themselves with, you know, love and passion. Um, and, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So I agree. And not using our voices. We're not using it in all sorts We're of ways. In all sorts of ways. Yeah. yeah. In many ways. And also women, you know, we have such a, you know, all over the world, of course, there's a lot less women leaders than, than men. And in Australia, we have, you know, a, a very low number of women, you know, compared to men in leadership roles of all kinds. And I think that is partly because women are not actually using the full resonance of their right. voices. Well, that's an interesting idea. You know what? We we need to um, go to a break now, but I would love to pick up on that because I think that that is um, that ties in so well to story, and I think that that's a big conversation. I, I really want to be able to have um, fully with you. So um, we're going to just head off for a break, but I wanted to confirm with you know to to not confirm, but to kind of say um, I think you're totally right about the singing piece and about not using our voices and being shy. It's funny from I was oh. nodding away because I um. I was in in a choir when I was in high school, um, but yeah. it was because they went on good trips, and I would lip sync and <laughs> not sing, and you I and I regret that because I feel like that would have I missed out. I missed out. I just pretended yeah. to sing, but it was down to me feeling like I didn't have have a good enough voice. So thank you for that, Tanya. You're um, absolutely yeah, right. Well, we all have a unique voice, and we should use it. So, um, exactly. so we're going to talk about that when we come back from our. Oh, yeah. oh, sorry. Um, we're going to come back. Okay, we'll just, just take a little wee break. Yeah. And then we're going to talk about that when we come back. And so um, cool. hang out with us because Tanya is going to help us um, 
know a little bit more about how I to know. use our voice and um, and also going to talk to us about getting over stage fright. So we'll be back in just a moment. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Activate and grow your storytelling superpower with Leanne Pico of Very Good Stories. Stories inspire, stories engage, and stories move people to action. It's pretty powerful stuff. Story coach Leanne Pico will help you develop your storytelling skills to be a more effective leader, build a more powerful brand, or create a team of storytelling powerhouses. You can email Leanne at leanne at verygoodstories.com or check out her website at verygoodstories.com. Contact Leanne today to grow your storytelling superpower. Conversations concerning money can be a bit daunting. There can be limitations with building wealth, and in general, people don't want to discuss their money until now. Listen each week for Conversations with Money, featuring Franco Calagiri and Marissa Sipolinski. Our guests make money the conversation piece, how to build and maintain wealth, working with charities, and money and family members. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. You've heard of good things coming in packages. Well, maybe there's a little more to that saying, but when you think about it, packaging is one of the most important things that can represent your business. Tune in to Ditch the Box with host David Marinak. Each week, we'll discuss flexible packaging, marketing, sales, and how it all comes together in one container. Lower costs, increase margins, listen to the show. It might just save you a ton. Ditch the Box is heard live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Story Powered with Leanne Pico. If you want to find out more about Leanne or the program, Connect with us on the web at VeryGoodStories.com. Now, back to Story Powered. Hi there. Welcome back to Story Powered with me, your host, Leanne Pico. I'm chatting today with Tanya DeYoung from Creative Universe and Creativity Australia. Now, before the break, it's oh, I could talk to Tanya all day because we're talking about voice and we're talking about, um, before the break, we were talking a little bit about, um, and I was sharing a little experience of mine, which was that I was in the, when I was in choir in high school, I joined because they would go on really good trips. And so, um, but I would stand in the back and lip sync because I didn't think I was a good enough singer. And although it's a funny, I tell it as a funny story, there's also part of me that kind of regrets not letting my voice be heard and, and I enjoy singing. So, so Tanya, you want, I, you were telling me in the break that that happens a lot. Yeah, I mean, like, I could, I think I could write, like, probably 500 books, <laughs> thousands <laughs> of stories yeah. of people, you know, being silenced. So everything from, 
Now, you, you, you decided to lip-sync yourself, but lots of other people were told that they should lip-sync in the choir because their voice was not good enough. Other right. people got told to stand in the back row and not make a sound. Other yeah. people were told to leave the choir because they weren't good enough. And, you know, I've heard every story in the book about why people's voices have been silenced. And it's really sad because actually everyone has got such a unique voice. And we just need to get our voices um, to be heard. And as I said, particularly women's voices tend to sometimes be, sometimes a little bit, you know, women sort of feel like a little bit timid in putting themselves forward. And I think that holds women back, especially, you know, in in boardrooms or in meetings where the men are pretty bulky and they don't mind at all being heard. And then the women are a little bit too meek and mild. Well, and some of that comes down to like, um, it, it, so it's that, but it's also, um, I'm just thinking about when I'm in a room with men and I'm, I'm a big voice. Like I don't now, nowadays I don't have a, no, no, say, I have a radio show, so there's something's changed there, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, now you just have to start singing a lot. Right, well, and that, oh my goodness. Okay, so we'll move on. <laughs> I, I'm going to I'm no, no, think no. about that. <laughs> I am, I do sing with we'll my son, funnily enough. That's right, that's right. Um, but when we're in a room, like when women are in a room with men, and it is because there's a tone, like there's a, they're deeper voices and we're, and I don't know, what, what do you think it is that makes people, and I, I do know some men too, because I, you know, I, I, I'm the meeting-itis, I call it meeting-itis, I you go into a meeting and everybody's chatting and then they sit down and start the meeting and then everybody just shuts up, people don't speak. And I know mm. that's partly about culture, but what is it that makes us sit back, do you think, and not use our voices in those kinds of situations? I think it's fear, um, and sometimes, you know, we really are not sure that people are going to, to like what we have to say, and so we think it's better to be silent and, you know, not have people think, uh, you know, think negatively of us, so we actually say nothing at all, which is very, you know, is bland, and, it, you know, why are we sitting there if we're not expressing ourselves and what we're thinking about about things? I mean, if we're sitting in that room and people value our opinion. And so let our opinion be heard and speak with conviction. Um, use the full, use your full body, sit up straight, breathe properly, um, and let your voice resonate throughout your whole body from head to toe and toe to head. Right. And so when we think about, so if we move from when, like, sorry, I'm just going to ask you something about that, because when, if we move from, because that's, those are great techniques, but if we've been told when we were younger to stand at the back or that our our singing voice or our voice isn't good enough, um, I, I I wonder how that impacts us later when we're in those situations. No, it definitely, look, it definitely does. And I think that, um, there's a number of ways to get over that. I mean, just another quick story is um, when I was 23, I desperately wanted to have singing lessons and um, with this very famous Australian soprano. And I was incredibly lucky. She took me on as her first student and she said to me, you know, you've got one of the most beautiful voices I've ever heard. And I thought, wow, you're finally going to, you know, get this career that I really want to be a singer and everything. And, 
I went to her house and I used to have lessons at her house and then she decided that she was going to send me to London to study with her teacher and I was like, my career, you know. Wow. Yeah. How exciting, you know, and I went to London and I studied with her teacher and then I came back and I was in her studio one day with my my pianist who was playing for my lessons and out of the blue she says to me, Tanya, um, you know, I really don't think you're ever going to make it past the course. Why don't you just focus on your law degree? I was studying law at the time. Oh. And I just felt like I'd been hit in the guts, you know, like, my God. you know, And I, like it took all my courage not to burst into tears on the spot. I went out in the street. I burst into tears and I said to my parents, you know, it's just all too hard. I'm, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to grow and grow bananas in Byron Bay, which was a funky thing to do at the time. And, um, but the next morning I woke up and thought, there's no way I'm going to let this woman stomp on my dream. Good. And so she made it really tough for me. She went to the artistic director of the, the National Opera Company and she told him that she told Tanya de Jong she'd never make a pass the course. So that every time I went for an audition, I would sabotage my performance because, you know, not only was there that little oh, voice saying, you know, be quiet, be quiet, but then there was a second voice saying, you know, you're never going to make it past the chorus. So I would literally yeah. have a panic attack and not be able to do my audition anywhere near the level of what was my true potential and capability. And so anyway, so what happened was, you know, as a result of that, I was, you know, basically in a sense forced as necessity to start my own enterprises. So I started my own singing group and I started a whole lot of other enterprises as you mentioned earlier. And really, you know, I was the lucky person that, had this incredible career. So like a lot of my colleagues were sort of struggling with the opera company and being swatted into boxes. I was traveling the world and creating my own destiny, which was very yeah. exciting. And the years went by and, and suddenly um, one day I was setting up my creative innovation conference and we were in this venue and my composer in residence and I walked into this restaurant and he said, I'll come and say hello and six people sitting at a table and there she was. And, you know, over the years we'd seen each other very rarely and you know how you studiously avoid these people in yes. the other direction. <laughs> so we'd not met eyes. Suddenly, there she is, like, like right in front of me. I said, oh, hello. You know, I haven't seen you for a long time. And I felt like thinking, buddy. But I, you know, I restrained myself and I, I, I walked out of the restaurant and I said to my pianist, I said, you know, oh, I wish I told her what, you know, bloody she was. And um, he said, oh, can you turn around? You know, why don't you say thank you? You know, look at what you've done in your career. You know, if you hadn't have said that, you know, you might never have achieved everything, you know, incredible things you've achieved. We went to this meeting together and we came back to the past the venue on the way back and I said, if they're still in the venue, I'm going to go in and I'm going to say thank you. And sure enough, they're sitting there still at the table. My pianist goes, I'm out of here. <laughs> I go up to the table. My heart is pounding a thousand miles an hour. And I said, look, hello, I just wanted to come back and, and say to you, you said something to me all these years ago. And it has meant so much to me because it's enabled me to achieve everything I've achieved. And I just want to say thank you so much. <laughs> the guy across the table from her goes, what did you say? And she said, oh, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. She's like, she's going purple and crazy. And I said, well, thank you again, and I walked off. And you know that backpack of self-doubt I've been carrying all that time? Yeah. It dropped off, and I felt like for the first time in life, I felt free. Oh, that's and amazing. All these people out there whose voices have been silenced, and someone, I say, 
well, if you can, go and say thank you and, and see the people who've told you um, to be silent. See them as perhaps, you know, your teacher. Maybe they were afraid of your light shining. Maybe there was some other agenda that they had yeah. that, you know, for telling you that. Maybe they were afraid of their own voice. And if they're not around, just say thank you, like, to the universe. Um, That's and, right. And allow your voice never to be silenced. Again, use that as your catalyst to to actually never be silenced again. I love it. I love it. What a wonderful story. And, it's, and it does resonate, and I'm sure it does with everybody listening, because there is always somebody or some moment that somebody has said something like that, and it's either mm. uh, pushed us into action or gone the other way. And so I love the fact That's that you just, you just made it happen for yourself. It's the power of no, Leanne. You know, sometimes yeah. when we're told no, it's like, actually, maybe there's something actually better. You know, it's that philosophy of one yeah. door closed, another door opens. And it's like, actually, she said no at that time, but that enabled me to achieve really everything I I have achieved because I didn't follow the traditional path. So, you know, and maybe she was afraid that, you know, you know, there was definitely some jealousy there. Like, she did tend to have a reputation for (laughs) doing this to people. But, you know, I was young and vulnerable at the time. Absolutely. Well, and it's a very competitive Mm. uh, field. And that's the thing, again, and Mm. I, I think for... Uh, whether we're in the arts or whether you're in business or whether we're in whatever, wherever we are, there are human mm-hmm. elements. And that's the thing around story is that um, the fabulous thing around story, and that's why I love story, is that it really does mm. play on the fact that we're human. Um, but we also have to remember mm. that other people are human too. And so sometimes right. we don't know what's happening for them. We don't know what their story is. Mm. And so in, in allowing right. them to impact us so significantly... Um, it really does disrupt our own story sometimes. It does, and sometimes you have to go, actually, what, you know, this is their stuff, this is not our stuff, Yeah. and this is their story, and I'm not going to let it stop my story from happening and evolving. And it's very, it's hard to know, but once, you know, as soon as you start to become clear on what's your stuff and what's other people's, you can actually go, actually, that's their story, and I don't really want to have that story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Now, tell us about, because um, I'm, enjoying, I'm enjoying the fact that moment with, uh, uh, with this um, mentor who told you that, and then you're doing a TED Talk. So I love, <laughs> I love that you got to that place. Tell us about um, what you mm-hmm. talked about on the TED Talk, and 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 tell us tell us your story yeah. about that. Yeah, well, that was that was an incredible opportunity, and my talk um, is called um, "How Singing Together Changes Changes Our Brain." So basically, um, I start off by talking about, you know, about the fact that so many of our voices have been silenced and talk about those stories. I then talk a lot about the neuroscience of singing and particularly the neuroscience of singing together. So there's a lot of research worldwide now that shows that when we sing with other people, um, we release endorphins and the right temporal lobe of our brain fires up, making us smarter, healthier, happier and more creative. Literally, our neural pathways connect in new and different ways. We improve our language, memory, concentration. People recover from strokes and depression. It improves Alzheimer's. It's like a super, super wonder drug. When we sing with other people, it is like magical buzz. And when we sing with other people, not only do we breathe together, but our hearts start to beat together. It's really, really magical and special. So... 
Six years ago, I set up my second charity called Creativity Australia, and we have this program called With One Voice, and we bring together people like you and I, you know, fortunate, what I call fortunate people, yeah. um, people with jobs, doctors, lawyers, teachers, retirees, CEOs, with those less fortunate, um, migrants, um, job seekers, people with depression and disabilities, age 9 to 90 of all faiths and all backgrounds. And we sing in these weekly with one voice choirs. We share supper and we share a wish list. And so people are able to write down their wishes on a list and then the wishes are read out either by, or asked either by the person themselves or by the wish list um, panelist, which is a voluntary role in each of the choirs. And then as the wishes are read out, and it, it might be, you know, I wish for help with a resume, I wish to get a job, um, to learn English, to learn how to use the internet, to get a fridge, to meet a partner, to have someone to walk home with, whatever it is. And the wishes are read out and all of a sudden people just start putting up their hands and say, well, I can help with that wish, I can help with that wish. And there's yeah. some, some incredible stories I, I do t- tell on my TED Talk, <laughs> which I'll leave people to, to, um, to have a look at. But I talk about some of the people whose lives have been transformed and their wishes have been fulfilled. And last year we had more than 500 wishes fulfilled through our With One Voice choir program. Wow. And it's literally, truly, you know, hundreds of jobs have been created. Um, people have connected in incredible ways, made lifelong friendships, have had marriages. <laughs> oh, you know, that's awesome. Weekly, yeah, weekly global village of, of, of help. And once some of the disadvantaged people had their wishes met, they start to feel grateful themselves and then other more disadvantaged people come into the programs and they start to help them. So it's like this virtual circle of, you know, we can all grant one another's wishes, you know, and if we just ask for what we need in life, again, this is about, well, I say, you know, our charity and my mission in life is changing the world one voice at a time. And if we just ask for what we need in life, and don't be afraid to ask for what we need and to let yeah. our voice be heard. It's amazing how our wishes can be granted. That's, that is incredible. That is, oh, thank you for sharing that because that is absolutely incredible. And, you know, and that's the thing as somebody who's worked in um, the charitable or nonprofit sector for a very long time, I love the organic nature of that and that people are um, not waiting in lines to have somebody behind a, a plastic screen um, give them their yeah. wishes. They're actually, it's a, it's a very organic community oriented um, thing. No, so thank you so much. That's beautiful. Um, Thank you. No, I mean, it's a very um, level playing field. You know, people come in, in a sense, you know, like being different, but then after a while you realise actually you could be the person in the wheelchair, you could be the the migrant from Cameroon whose sister was massacred, you could be that person who's been looking for a job for four years and been discriminated against. It really is the luck of the draw, and people start to realise when you're in this very diverse group of people, and this is the key to our With One Voice choirs, is the diversity, and the diversity sparks innovation, but you start to realize, actually, we're all the same, you know? Yes, yes, thank you. There's no separation between us. 
No, that's right. And, and we need to um, we need to actually take a break now, Tanya, but I wanted to just reaffirm that. that uh, and the other thing is our stories are all connected. So thank you so that's much fun. for that. So you're listening to Story Powered with myself, the MPCO, and my guest, Tanya DeYoung. You can connect with Tanya at tanya at creativeuniverse.com.au and do check out her TED Talk, How Singing Together Changes the Brain. You can find that on YouTube. We'll be back in just a sec. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Activate and grow your storytelling superpower with Leanne Pico of Very Good Stories. Stories inspire, stories engage, and stories move people to action. It's pretty powerful stuff. Story coach Leanne Pico will help you develop your storytelling skills to be a more effective leader, build a more powerful brand, or create a team of storytelling powerhouses. You can email Leanne at leanne at verygoodstories.com or check out her website at verygoodstories.com. Contact Leanne today to grow your storytelling superpower. If you want to learn how to be a better leader, increase your level of business performance, and motivate your team and organization more effectively, listen for Performing at Your Best, Mindset Evolution with Luis Vicente Garcia. Luis Vicente and his guests will share their expertise and enthusiasm in helping you to succeed. It's combining that drive with business skills that will do just that. Tune in live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Story Powered with Leanne Pico. If you want to find out more about Leanne or the program, connect with us on the web at VeryGoodStories.com. Now, back to Story Powered. Hello and welcome back. Um, so glad you could come back with us. We're in the third segment. I can hardly believe it. Um, I've been enjoying talking to Tanya de Jong from Creative Universe. She has such amazing stories and um, and life lessons that she's been sharing. So that's that's uh, it, it's gone so fast. So we're in the third segment. Um, but I want to let you know if you're wanting to find out more about Tanya, you can check out the web her website, which is www.creativeuniverse.com.au, and I highly recommend it because there's some really great stories and great stuff there. So um, so now, Tanya, we're going to talk a little bit about, because you've been telling us some great stories, and, and I'd love, um, you know, for people, it's always good. I like to have people tell stories so that they're modeling them for you as who the person who's listening so that you can see how to use them in the future. But, Tanya, some of my clients, no, a lot of my clients, um, so whether they're leaders or entrepreneurs or, or even nonprofit folk who want to, um, you know, do a talk or give a presentation, 
and we talk about stories and they have amazing stories. But when it comes to going and standing in front of the room is when they, mm-hmm. they kind of, um, you know, they kind of uh, get very nervous. And so, and going back to my story, I wasn't nervous, but I paid no attention to anybody. <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't even know they weren't listening until I was halfway through. So, um, mm-hmm. so I'm wondering if you could share two things. One is about how to get over the stage, stage fright or contain it to get on in front of the room. And then how to mm-hmm. use your presence to connect with people when you're there. Okay, so... Um so with the stage fright to begin with, um, I guess one of the key ways um, is, is in the preparation. So actually, you know, in the lead up to when you're doing a talk, to be to be, you know, doing exercise so that you release some of that excessive adrenaline that builds up when you're, you know, when you're nervous. Yes. So exercising, like, and, and doing some meditation, yoga, stretching, that sort of thing. Eating really well, not having a lot of sugar. Or, right. or coffee or alcohol before a speech. Um, sleeping well, obviously, is, is very important. Um, and then I think in terms of the scary thoughts, you know, we all have those thoughts of, you know, I'm going to forget my words, I'm, I'm going to muck it up, people are going to think I'm bad, um, you know, you know all the, the things that we, we think. There'll be so many people watching, they'll think I'm nervous, um, I'll let, I'll let people down. Um, you know, all these sorts of worrying yeah. thoughts. Yes. Um, I suppose what I always say to people is focus um, your attention on thoughts and images that are calming and reassuring. Really focus on your breathing. So actually gentle humming and hissing um, in the lead up to the, like, you know, in, you know, as you're waiting, if you're backstage or somewhere or if you're... Um, just, just really slow exhalations, long exhalations if you're sitting in a seat in the room. And then another really important thing is in the exhalation, you just say to yourself, just worrying, just worrying, you know, just worrying. And then in the next inhalation, refocus your attention on the task at hand and visualize yourself performing brilliantly. So you exhale and say, just worrying. So all those thoughts are released and then the next inflation, you see yourself performing brilliantly. Also, again, in the lead up, like in the morning when I have a, a talk or even today's interview with you, um, I imagine myself, you know, giving a great interview or a great talk and I, I visualize myself being in top form. <laughs> um, and that's a really strong way of just being in the in the right space. The other thing I think um, is obviously preparing really well in advance, um, reading it aloud. So with my TED Talk, for example, I practiced that in front of a lot of people with a stopwatch, and um, which was always very, you know, when you have the clock ticking in front of you, that's even worse, even if you're on, on your own. <laughs> you <out>. Yes. <laughs> um, but, you know, timing is very important. I think um, in terms of... Um, would you like any further tips on that, or shall we go to the pre- sort of? Yeah, no, that's great because I think those are really great tips. And and again, so when you're saying you, so basically visualization, so relaxation. Um, you know, it's funny because mm-hmm. most people do they load up on coffee before they go up, and that's the one of the worst things you yeah. can do, right? Um, and then yeah. and and envisioning a strong delivery. I love that. I love that. That's really important. Um, so yeah, when mm-hmm. so you're so you've done that. You've 
you've you know you're you're getting you get in front of the people and again when it comes to story so and it's this is the interesting mm-hmm. piece around story so client like a lot of my clients they worry about telling their story because it's personal right so they've chosen a yeah. personal thing so they're not up there yeah. reciting the, all the facts about all the things that they know yeah. so then yeah. so they maybe get over the the um, stage fright but then they're there and they're in a moment of oh, I hope they like me, right? Yes, and so then yeah. what we do is shut down and kind of, like I did, look at my notes yeah, and, then, and then kind of worry about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Look, I know, you know, like, uh, I know people that do that. You know, they feel very comfortable talking about facts and figures, but when it comes to talking about their own stories, they feel self-conscious. And the best thing, is, there's a few things that I think are really, really important with that. One is you just have to be in the moment. So you can't be worrying what people are you know, thinking of you before or after. It's like just be in the moment, stand or sit in a self-assured, confident, you know, with your confident posture, yeah. remain warm, really warm and open and, and come from your heart. Just go into your heart. Keep going to your heart. Yes. Every time you go into your head and go, what are they thinking about? Go back into your heart. Make eye contact with people, like make connection with the audience, smile and greet people. Imagine that you're telling your story just to one other person in the room, mm-hmm. you know, and, yeah. and you, like yeah. we're sitting having this conversation right now and you're just having a conversation with people. The less you think of it as a speech and the more as a conversation, the better. Mm-hmm. And you also have to think of, of the audience as your friends, rather than your yeah. enemies. Like, they, they want you to do well. They want to be totally engaged by you. Like, they've come out because they want to see something that's going to inspire them. So they, you know, you don't see them as your opponents. They're like your friends. And I think also um, it's, it's again, yeah, it's about shifting the focus from yourself and your fear to your true purpose. Like, why are you here anyway? Why are you sharing this story? Mm. You're actually giving something of enormous value to your audience by sharing this story and, and what, you know, what the key tips from it are. And you're giving a, a beautiful gift to your audience, yeah. which they couldn't hear from any other person because your stories are your unique stories. That's right. And one of the things, again, just going back to my example about thinking about your audience first is that when you're, when you're creating your stories, when you're um, drafting your speech or creating your presentation, if you have thought ahead as to who is in the room and what they most want or need to hear from you, if you've mm-hmm. done that yeah. prep, like you say, you've prep prepared, they are your friends. Yeah. I love thinking about it that way because I think that people do, um, and I and again, I don't know where that comes from, our mindset that we go into a room and everybody wants us to fail. I, I find that um, yeah. a, a weird yeah, mindset. Because we come from this fear of, ju- of being judged because right. mostly in our school lives we've, we've been judged and... But yeah, yeah. you're absolutely, you know, look, the other thing I think what, what you're saying there about thinking of who's in the room, sometimes um, when I go in the room and I feel, you've got to just feel the energy in the room, you've got to be so in the moment that you can feel what people want from you. And that might mean that you actually change the way you tell your story. Yes. Or some elements of your stories um, or which stories you actually choose to tell. And sometimes... Right in the moment of starting a speech, or as I'm telling you, I go, okay, I'm not going to tell that story today. I'm going to tell the story instead. Yeah. Yep. Um, and that's just about being very in the moment so you can intuit um, what is really going to connect with your audience. I think another really important thing to do is to go to the story early in your yes. talk. Yep. The more you can go deep, 
and get people to connect with their hearts. If you're in your heart and you can get them to connect with their hearts really early in the story, you'll engage them for the whole rest of your speech. But if you leave it too late and if you don't connect to people's hearts early enough, then it's harder to engage them later. That's right. That's right. And and that's a really good point. Like that is is one of the most important things that I talk to people about is start your story early so that they can know who you are and why you're there. Yeah. And then the other part yeah. that I really love that you just said, which is, you know, it's responding. So if we think about it as a conversation, so um, when we talk about a speech, it's like we're doing it to someone. Whereas, so going back yeah. to my example, if I'd paid attention early to the fact that nobody was listening, I I. And I and I know this now because I'm, I'm I've worked really hard to become an effective speaker. I slow down and I pay attention to what how things are being received and how they respond, mm-hmm. and then yeah, I respond yeah. back. So it's like a dance, or right, like it's kind of That's like a right. dance rather than yeah, a, yeah. a, a one man show. <laughs> totally, and it is really a conversation. And you know, sometimes. It feels good, actually, when someone suddenly, like in the middle of my speech, will suddenly ask questions like, okay, yeah, there is permission for people mm-hmm. to actually ask uh, and talk back the other way. It's, yeah. it's, you know, we're having a conversation and this is communication. Yeah. And yeah, we're, right. we're all having feelings and it's important to share those feelings. Yeah. And you can watch facial but expressions yeah, too, right? Sorry. The, sorry, the facial expressions that? are The facial expressions are important oh, totally. too. Yeah. 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 And when people start crying, I like that the best. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. No, no. I agree. It's awesome. So listen, we're about to close out the show. Um, it's gone so fast mm-hmm. again. Thank you so much for your tips. Can you, can you just, um, if you had t- like top five tips for giving a presentation, sharing your story, if you just could give those mm-hmm. pretty quickly, that'd be great. Yeah, sure. Um, speak from your heart. Um. Be in, the, be in the present moment. Think of yourself giving a gift and sharing with your audience. Breathe with long exhalations and be your true self. Let your voice shine through and don't be afraid to express your full self in all its quirkiness and weirdness. Love it. Tanya, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you, Leah. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. So remember that you can um, connect with Tanya at tanya at creativeuniverse.com.au. But check out her website at www.creativeuniverse.com.au. And highly recommend her TED Talk, How Singing Together Changes the Brain. Check that out on YouTube. Um, so thank you again to Tanya Uh, that was such a fun show so um, don't forget to tune in next week when I'll be talking to Sally J. Fox she's an organizational development consultant and speaker and we're going to be talking about bringing the stories out in your organization don't forget to sign up for my weekly story blast at verygoodstories.com you get story coaching tips resources and some story from me and Story Powered is on every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Thank you so much for joining me, Liam Pico, and Story Powered. I'll see you next week with more story. Thank you for joining us this week for Story Powered. 
Leanne Pico invites you to tune in for another engaging program next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll help take your story and your business to the next level. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.